to Teledyne Advanced Chemistry Systems Tech Talk podcast. Our goal is to bring you useful information and offer solutions for your applications and analytical needs. Teledyne Advanced Chemistry Systems represents a group of companies existing of Teledyne Techmar, Teledyne SeaTech, Teledyne Lehman Lab, and Teledyne Hastings. Welcome back to the Tax Tech Talk podcast. Today, we'll be discussing the fundamentals of Persian Trap. During the podcast today, we will discuss what Persian Trap is, the history behind it, what markets and applications use this technology, and various other aspects relating to Persian Trap. Our guest speaker today is Tom Hartline with Teledyne Techmar. Tom is currently the VOC technical manager here and has over 26 years of experience with this technology. Welcome, Tom. All right. Thanks, Betsy. Thanks for having me. Technically, I think I have uh, 31 years. I was in an environmental lab before I started with Techmar in 1995. So I actually started with Persian Trap basically around 1990. If memory serves, I, I get older and don't remember exact dates all that well. But anyway, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for correcting me there. So over 30 years experience. So, Tom, before we start, can you give us a little information on your background besides the, the year's experience, but a little bit more about kind of what your career path has, has been and how it relates to Persian Trap and maybe what you've done here at Techmar? Um, sure. So, uh, once we got out of school, I started in an environmental lab and the normal process back then, which would be the late 80s, early 90s, when you got hired on in that position as a, as a tech, you'd start in what was called the um, wet chem area. So the general chemical testing, which was basically like BODs, TOC, which Teledyne Techmar also manufactures, by the way. Um, suspended solids, dissolved solids, titrations, that type of work. And then if you show any progress in that type of um analysis, you eventually get moved into the, the GCMS world. Although back then the MSs were basically early released ion traps uh, before the quadrupoles came on the scene. So I actually started with um, older, oh, I forget the name of the, uh, the ion traps. We started with Extrel systems, I believe they were. But um, in any event, so I wound up in VOC there. I was actually doing volatile organic compounds and semi-volatile organic compounds. This was a rush of the environmental testing in the 90s. It's the, the boom. Uh, I was living in Pittsburgh at the time and was working at, for a, a small lab there doing a lot of CLP work, which was contract laboratory program stuff. Um, that was pretty big back then, especially for super fun sites. Um, et cetera, for, for basic environmental work. And then uh, after doing that for a few years as a VOC manager, I was hired on at Techmar as actually a field service technician working out of the, the Pittsburgh area and surrounding states. So I did that for several years and then um, got a little tired of traveling and came off the road and moved to the headquarters here in, uh, at the time was Blue Ash. Uh, we're now in Mason, both are suburbs of Cincinnati, essentially. Um, and from there, I was doing technical support. And then I went into R&D for a few years and then into applications and into marketing. And that's kind of where I'm at now as a technical product specialist for VOC, um, which obviously is the Persian trap line. Okay. 
So it's a little bit of a, how I got here today. Um, a lot of things are still the same and a lot of things have changed, that's for sure. Yeah, well, you've definitely been in a lot of different departments, so shows that you've got a lot of experience and knowledge on this topic. Um, so thanks for that background. Very impressive. Uh, can you tell our audience a little bit or go into what Purgent Trap is and how it works? Just a history kind of like you did for yourself, but how Purgent Trap technology has evolved? Um, sure. And Purgent Trap itself um, has been around actually for a very, very long time. It's really just a um, an offshoot of headspace analysis where in traditional static headspace, you just took the fixed aliquot of a sample, so you would heat it up and then sample that headspace in a fixed loop, typically one milliliter. And then they started doing dynamic type headspace where you could keep taking the headspace and concentrating it. And that's where Persian track comes along because it's actually in the sample where the upper dynamic headspace is still basically above and just sweeping the gas. When we get to Persian trap, we actually introduce the inert gas into the matrix, for example, bubbling through water. Um, and what happens is essentially you strip all the volatile compounds out of that water matrix and you deposit them on a sorbet trap. So in the early days, the first traps that were out were primarily um, 10x silica gel and like a coconut charcoal. And that covered, you know, the, the entire range of volatile compounds that were being written in the methods at that time, which leads us to the actual Persian trap product development. The here in Cincinnati, Teledyne Techmar, which at that time was Techmar, um, was actually selling lab consumables. And then I'm not sure of the, the exact way that things worked out, but as, as it's been told from one person to another that's within this company and has been for a long time, um, there was a meeting between the owners here in Cincinnati with the EPA drinking water office in Cincinnati. And the idea was to come up with this perch and trap. So to, to meet these methods. So they uh, quickly changed uh, the layout of just being a laboratory consumable supplier to actually manufacturing equipment. So the first perch and trap, I believe was the LSC one. I can't recall the date. I want to say it was late seventies, early eighties. When I started in a lab, the LSC2 was readily available, and that system used a lot of um, dials and like, rotimeters and so forth to set temperatures and flows um, and heating, basically, to back flush the trap. But in any event, so the LSC2 was around, and then came the LSC2000, and then there was the LSC3000 and 3100. And then there were some changes with the uh, velocity, which introduced some newer technology. And then from there, we went to um, our stratum and then today to the lumen. So quite a bit of um, building along the way of the perch and trap uh, technologies. And when the basic rules or layouts of the methodology hasn't changed that much, but the tools used to try and make things a little bit faster, better, um, have definitely changed. So in a basic purging trap, as I was saying, you essentially just bubble an inert gas through your water matrix. You deposit that on the trap, then you heat that trap up and back flush it directly to a GC. And the GC then uses the column to separate. And then depending on the detection scheme, you can use 
um, mass spectrometers. In the early days, the most common detectors were PIDs, photoionization detectors, and uh, ECDs, electron capture detectors, and then there was also um, FID work, which is a flame ionization detector. And then there was also electro <laughs> electrolytic conductivity detectors known as uh, ELCDs. So the most common was a PID ELCD, and that basically covered everything. So you use one detector for the basic aromatics and the other detector for a lot of the halogens and, and other compounds. Um, so that's essentially what happens there. Now, obviously, we can also do soil. When we do a soil, you actually put a soil into a, um, a vessel, if you will, a VOA vial, and then you add some water and then you sparge directly through there to remove those compounds and trap them and then absorb them off to the GC. Current design or current testing today primarily is GCMS. So everything is essentially an auto sampler purge and trap and a GCMS for most of the methods that our customers use and the, the products that we develop for those methods. Um, I guess which leads me to the methods. The two main methods that are specific to purge and trap are uh, USCPA 5030, which describes how to purge in water, and then USCPA method 5035, which describes how to purge soil, sludges, and other solid waste matrices. So those are considered um, what we call preparative methods. So they actually prepare the sample for analysis because you're concentrating all the volatiles onto a trap and then absorbing them to the GC. So then the EPA methods for actually detecting and reporting or quantifying those compounds is a determinative method. And the primary one used there is the 8000 series, in particular 8260, which I believe the current rev level is D, although I think most people are still running B and C um, versions of that. D, I believe, allows for, for some changes, but primarily people are still running B and C. And then there's also basic drinking water methods, which actually combines the purge and trap preparative technique and a determinative technique. That's prim primarily the 524 series, which handles um, you know low-level drinking waters, um, typically a 25 mil volume where a wastewater will probably be a five mil volume, just to increase your sensitivity. So obviously the more mass you have, the more sensitivity you have. So that is uh, probably a long and winding story of, <laughs> of what you asked me. But, so I was gonna go back to when you originally talked about when the EPA approached Tecmar to come up with um, a method for analyzing water. Was Tecmar the, inventor then of purge and trap of the instrumentation? Well, they're definitely the, the inventor of the purge and traps that are here. As far as um, who is the single inventor, I would have to check with, with um, others who were here well before me. Um, I've never really uh, paid that much attention to, you know, how we got here. I've usually been busy just trying to uh, hone my skills using that equipment. And then, so Tecmar mainly produces purge and trap concentrators and auto samplers that would then connect to um, a GCMS, somebody else's GCMS, correct? Yes. Well, yeah, we exclusively manufacture the purge and trap with uh, the auto samplers. Our current design, so, oh, I guess it's been hmm, 
Wow. Wow. It's getting old. It's been at least 10 or 11 years now since the, the combination system came out, which basically took a Persian trap and combined it with an auto sampler as a single system. So what, what you did there is you take two components and make it one. So you get a lot of um, redundancy removed. You got a lot less problems with connections. And you, of course, you get a smoother control system as well. And then, of course, you know, we put other features in along the way. Um, one of the big ones is methanol extraction that we do is anybody in a, in a contract lab, environmental testing lab, has to deal with high-level soil samples um, from time to time, especially if you're doing um, underground storage tank testing, what people call BTEX work, which is real quick, looking for like gasoline range compounds. In any event, you obviously you can hit a, what's called like a hot soil or well, which has a lot of those compounds in them. So they're too much for the purchase trap system in a raw state. So what you do is you extract them with methanol and then you take that methanol extract and mix it in with the water and treat it as a normal water sample. And that brings that back down into a workable range for the purchase trap GCMS system. So one of the developments that we did do along the way was automate that process because it's pretty manual. Um, so that's you know another one of those uh, technology benefits that we've learned along the way. So you touched a little bit on the, the water and soil for environmental applications. Are there other uh, markets or applications that do utilize purge and trap that maybe not as uh, have not embraced it as much as environmental applications? Yeah, there are. I mean, it's, obviously they're not in great demand, but um, we, from time to time, um, will run into a segment of food and flavor for one. Um, if you're looking for um, off-odor, et cetera, sometimes that can be used. Obviously, universities use them to do all types of different uh, matrices, just if they're looking for VOCs. Um, we've seen them in the plastics and resins, um, paints. Uh, been known to use them, and of course the, the refining industry. But the refining industry still follows, you know, normal guidelines for uh, for purge and traps. I don't know if I qualify that as a as a separate segment. They still follow some loose um, interpretation of what the EPA is already doing. Um, but yeah, there are smaller segments that that do use it. But by far and away, the the, the greater majority is is for the prescribed methods um, that are already out there. And ideally, that's what these were designed to do. You know, the method was handed to us from the EPA, and the system was built around it. So essentially, that's that's its primary justice. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's found some lateral lateral stuff as well. Gotcha. Um, so then, another component of the Persian trap that I wanted to just see if you could expand upon a little bit is the traps. There are various traps to use. Um, and is there a guideline for people to follow, like what trap to use for what application? Uh, yes. Uh, actually, we have um, quite a bit of material on trap selections. Um, I know we've done a few posters and a few app notes on those. Um, primarily, uh, the methods, well, not necessarily the methods, but end users primarily use um, what are called um, carbosive type traps. So. If you remember early on, we were, I was talking about the first traps that came out, and I can attest to being one of those four people that actually had to pack those traps themselves. Um, that has, you know, since changed. Obviously, there was a, a need for some automation there for um, 
trap manufacturing, et cetera, and then customers find it much easier just to order a trap that's already been made. So that original trap, which basically covered all the VOCs, was a 10X silica gel and a, a coconut charcoal, sometimes an OB1 as a protectant on there. But then, um, you know, towards, oh, mid-90s, if not earlier, I don't remember the exact dates, the, the carbo-sieve, carboxin, carbo-pack type traps came, and they're, they do the same thing, um, and they're, they're more widely used today than the previous. You'll still run into customers here and there that use the older type traps, and the majority of customers use what are called um, loosely bocarb traps. And then, of course, we manufacture one um, trap number nine, which is a, a type of a vocar, but it has uh, some proprietary uh, sorbents in it as well. And the idea of the evolving of those traps is to try and handle how much methanol is being introduced when you purge a sample, plus the ever-expanding range of compounds that show up on the, the CCL list periodically. Um, but right now, I would say that that type of trap is used primarily um, across the board. There are some traps that will only do BTEX compounds. So we were talking about like underground storage tanks. And while you can use them, you can also accomplish the same thing with the new traps. So we kind of see them fading away uh, compared to where they were, say, in their earlier days. Um, so these traps are more the, the catch-all for everything. There is traps that um, you can use that are, let's just say, 10X that we know can be used for um, mold and odor analysis. Um, because you're only looking essentially for four or five compounds and they're retained well on the tanks. Um, plus all your water and uh, methanol tend to push through. That's, that's really helpful. And now um, I do know that we've got some documentation from Techmar on the traps, so I'll put the, the links to those in the podcast summary for others to click and be able to, to access that information. Um, it's a, a very helpful guide. Yeah, I would think so. So, um, some of the just a couple closing questions for Purge and Trap. What do you think has had the the biggest impact in the evolution of Purge and Trap? And then, um, what do you think the the future holds for for Purge and Trap technology? Well, that's a couple loaded questions. <laughs> um, let's see the technology advances essentially I think you're coming from, you know, we've gotten better with heaters, we've gotten faster um, using cool down techniques, um, more inert materials have come along. Back in the early days, you had were using glass line tubing, which you had to basically use a torch with to bend. If you didn't, you'd break the glass and had all kinds of problems. And then you went into um, nickel-based tubing and then that caused some dehydrohalogenation problems over time, especially with acidic environments. Like, Etc. So now we use um, more inert materials in that sample pathway. Obviously, the traps have changed a bit. Um, but I think the single biggest thing as far as um, consistency, ease of use, and the healthy end user has probably been the mass flow controller. Because what that allows is you can just program in your flow rates, and you also get a feedback on pressure. So you can tell if your trap's starting to get old because your purge pressure is increasing or vice versa, if it doesn't look right, if it's low, then you may have a leak. And there's automated leak checking that can be done with um, a mass flow controller. Um, and then, of course, you get a lot more speeds because you can vary those flow rates to go 
when you don't need a, a very controlled flow rate, for example, baking, you can just tell it to go to a very high rate for less time and still equate the same amount of volume uh, the way that it's done. I, I guess a good way to look at that is the, the GC manufacturers have the same kind of jump. Um, when they first came out, a lot of the, the inlets were basically a pressure regulator and a flow controller. And then along the way, they came out with flow modules and electronic pressure controllers, et cetera, which made life much easier on the GC side. And the Persian trap, I think, followed that same type of uh, technology. So I think that's probably the single biggest difference from Persian trap inception to, to where Persian trap is. Now, there's also been advancements in water management, which has always been um, a challenge for Persian trap users because you transfer quite amount of water to the GCMS system, which can, get, can give you some challenges um, on detection and, and column um, life, et cetera. Um, so those, those have evolved a bit too. Some of our earlier models actually tried to use um, cold trapping, which sometimes led to water slugs, et cetera. So I think that's also evolved quite a bit. But again, for me, the, the electronic mass flow controllers are probably the, the single piece of technology that sticks out in my mind. And then, so your second question, where does Persian trap go in the future? That's a loaded question. I, I don't know um, crystal why ball. it's gonna change in the, yeah, exactly. We need a crystal ball and some help. I don't see anything coming out of the EPA uh, methods right now that indicate that it's, it's gonna go away anytime soon. Um, it's, you know, it's pretty much been adopted that we, you know, we all kind of like clean water, you know, just like we like uh, clean air and clean soil. And the, the technology is proven to, to be able to be reproducible and give you the numbers that you need and keep an eye on, on the environment and make sure that things are going the way they're going. So I don't see anything in the immediate future. That doesn't mean that, that down the line, there won't be some type of a, a novel approach that, that comes out um in the future that you know i wouldn't necessarily say makes it obsolete but it may make it even better or something along those lines i think areas for improvement that, that could be coming is maybe in trapping type materials and maybe as the gc um, ms systems well essentially the ms systems get more sensitive that maybe you can get down to smaller volumes so maybe you're your overall footprint goes the way of everything else where it keeps shrinking down. Um, so maybe things can mount on top of the GC and you don't need to sample as much, et cetera. But those are, you know, those are all blue sky thoughts. I, I, I wouldn't hold myself to those, those thoughts. We're just, we're just having a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Just some, some pie in the sky thoughts. Um, well, I appreciate all this information. This has been really informative. Um, and so that's all the questions that I have for you. And I really appreciate your time today, Tom. And um, hopefully our listeners learn something about Purge and Trap and, and some, some information they can take away from it. So I wanted to thank you for your time and sharing your history and knowledge with us. No problem. So I thought we'd get that in. As always, Techmar is pretty open to... Um, if there's any questions or anything, I'm sure that um, my information will be readily available if anyone has any questions or, or just wants to chat. We're, we're certainly here to do that. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay, have a good day. 
Thanks for listening to the Tax Tech Talk podcast. For more information about our products and the solutions we offer, please visit www.teledyneacs.com. If you like this podcast, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing this show. That way you'll never miss an episode. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next time. Mm-hmm.